0: Welcome to the Mick Dark Horror Series. Lights out. Good. Here we go. My friends, I've heard many sad and gruesome stories with many their own sad ghosts and goblins and beasts to match. And yet, of all these ghouls and phantoms, there's but one troubled spectre which vexes me the most, from a country with a most troubled history, its meadows and its rivers stained red by the blood of its sons and daughters. No more sad ghost story do I know than this one I'm about to tell. My friends, have you heard... The legend of the Banshee. It's a simple word in English, and in its native Irish, it's no more complex than that. It is their two simple words. Bin and Ishi. Translated by some, and I as well, as Woman Ghost. Some tell that every royal family in Ireland has their own. From the old high kings of the Ardmacha, to low barons and dukes across the state. Some will say there's more, and some less. But I will tell you for certain that one belonged to the misery of the Macdonald family. The Macdonald family in Donegal was an affluent one, and though stripped of their lordly titles by English, well a century or maybe more ago, they were not stripped of their lovely estate on the banks of the River Erne. And part of this fortune came from their connections to the affluent and the neighbouring isle, One such connection leading to their youngest daughter, Susanna, being wed to a fine man of standing by the name of Arthur Worthwick. Arthur was an officer in the king's army, and Arthur was a fine and noble man, always to the church on Sunday, always to wit and charm at any other time. He was right and gentle, and when news of the war in Europe called him away from his beautiful estate, he was remorseful, only to leave young Susanna. It was on the night he got his summons that Ryan Macdonald, who would have been the lord of the estate, called a banquet to celebrate, and in their own way mourn and wish him well. It was the following night that it was finally all in order. There was wine and brandy, and the men smoked, and they enjoyed the ham and the fixings, and then they prayed. The servants all took turns congratulating Arthur as they brought out each course, And Betty MacDonald, the lady of the estate, cried there at the table. Susanna would save her tears for the privacy of her own room later, after Mrs. MacDonald rolled the tipsy old lord up the stairs to his chambers. And by faint candlelight, each servant began to remove the dishes. Arthur and Susanna walked arm in arm, and at his door they kissed and professed their own prayers and hopes in that moment and Arthur retired. To say the night ended for Arthur there, however, would be to leave out what is still whispered to this night, that lonely gilded hall, by the people of Donegal to tourists and misbehaving children alike. It was when Arthur took a final deep breath in his mirror, fixing himself to be a man, that he heard a sound. He was soft like his lover's hands, a sound like two leaves rubbing together in the autumn wind before they fell to the earth in dull silence. It came from his window. Turning promptly, more curious than startled, Arthur would be, as I'm sure any of us would, surprised to see a woman with her hand upon his window. This, not to mince words, my friends, was the banshee. Her dress was white, but in the way of a pearl or... Cream, the white of a dress well worn on a sandy day. Her face, I tell you, was more white than that. It was as white as the ice on the moon and just as undisturbed in its features, all offset by her hair curled and frazzled and draped down over her shoulders and red as the embers fanned in a hearth or campfire. Her lips, trembling they were, Pale as her face, whiter than her dress, though were freckled with blood. Arthur took a soft step towards her, and then another, transfixed with concern and morbid curiosity, was mesmerized by the passion in the eyes of the Banshee. Intense is not a word to justify it, it is the passion that men see only in the eyes of a fairy woman. And Arthur could feel it in his soul Though she was partially obfuscated by the ice crystals forming on his window pane, Her breath fogging her features in the warm summer night A single tear strolled down her high, pointed cheek As her face began to contort to match her blue-green eyes All sad and sick and reminiscent of frosted grass It started as a low whine then and crescended over God knows how many seconds until it was a sound that exploded from her breast, a tormented wail of anguish like a mother losing a son or a lover seeing their other in a casket, and it resonated as though it were in the very room with him until it tapered and choked off into a gasping sob that racked her whole body before him. She drew in a ragged breath, "'Her cheeks finally red with the strain of her twisting lips. "'And Arthur fled in terror. "'Her shriek of mourning followed him into the hallway, "'and all the servants rushed forth from their rooms "'to see the commotion, and so too did Susanna. "'And the lord and lady of the house as Arthur rushed past them "'onto the balcony of Ryan's chamber, "'and he peered out over the grass.' He had finally steeled himself, you see, as he took flight up the stairs and resolved to see which way the woman was going to, to see what terrible affair had led her to his window that night. When he failed to see her there, he gathered the hounds and the most trusted hands and a torch and spent until the early morning hours scouring the riverbank in the fields of the estate. When he returned to the estate and examined his own window, The only evidence he had found of her existence that night, he found there. The melted frost on his windowpane, trickling down in the summer's heat, like the tears of salt which stained the banshee's face. He slept little in the coming nights, as Roy and MacDonnell recounted to him the old boyhood tales of the woman ghost. And after he'd heard the servants' whispers, that they'd heard her weeping Arthur's name, He slept little until he found himself on the train in the station and on his way to France to pay his dues for God and country. It was two months and near sixty letters of love and prayer later when they met the Banshee again. Susanna, fulfilling the dying wish of summer, had come to that gallant stream urn to commemorate the last year's warmth when by that crystalline water she spied a woman in white with mournful hiccups As she hunched by its waters She turned to face Susanna Her face wet And her lips flecked with blood And remorse as her eyes met the young maidens And at the fingertips was a curious drape Wandering nearer the sore of the river She would find her own Arthur's finest shirt And trailing from it into the water And away into oblivion Was a crimson trail The Banshee took a breath in and moaned it outwards again as she shook her head in apology and returned to her grim task at hand, and Susanna, from shock and understanding, collapsed there at the riverside, to be found by her mother later. It is a curious wonder men have over the power the Banshee holds. Some would have you believe she holds command over the very sway of life and death itself, and chooses the unfortunate to die young. Others are sympathetic of the woman ghost, think her more portent of the news of the inevitable in little more. No man wonders what became of Arthur Worthwick, however. On that selfsame night, brave to his last, he led a suicide charge over the trench towards the German line, but no sooner did he clamber over the mound of earth to the open air of sweet Flanders did it come to a halt. A guare emptying its chamber, and its bullet coming to a direct halt in poor Arthur's heart, like the look in the banshee's eyes had done so many nights before. He stumbled backwards into the trench, slumped against the wall of earth, and lips speckled bloody. Arthur died. Many of his men followed his example in no man's land, In all the British Isles were so much the less. "'All across the glen and countryside, "'all the farmers and townsfolk of Donegal "'heard the crying of a single woman alone. "'Poor Susanna, comatose, "'succumbed to fever and sorrow many days following. "'And but one woman could be heard "'with Arthur's name on her lips. "'A fresh bundle of clothes in her hands "'as she made her solitary funeral procession "'across the fairy hills.' and the banks of the urn no one watched from their windows and no one opened their door they all knew just too well who was mourning tonight and so my friends take heart to a tale that offers you no caution when you hear her in the night do not run and do not be afraid from that most lonesome of phantoms and do not curse her or foul faith for the meeting I ask you take off your hat for her say a prayer to God Almighty go to your home and I ask you pour a glass of your favorite whiskey and say but one note of thanks to God that your name be not Arthur Worthwick